Warmed up. Super serious. For nothing fun or funny ever, 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 ever happens. This is a super serious thing. I don't even like dogs. Super serious. <laughs> All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Super Serious Dog Podcast. Uh, the woman dancing around right now is my co-host, Courtney Cuellar, and I am Misha Bielitsky. And uh, we've actually got a pretty serious topic today. Um, we do. Not dog farts. Not dog farts, but we are diving into some shit for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to try really hard not to get ranty. Um, we're certainly going to stay off soapboxes and we're going to try not to be judgmental and all that kind of stuff. And just know that any discussion we have is always open um, for more information, that sort of thing. Um we don't but, know. It. We do not know everything. Yes, disclaimer: we don't know it all. <laughs> um, yeah. So some of you may know this already, but I got my start in dogs and dog training um, in rescue. That's how I discovered that I like dogs. I like teaching them stuff, and I'm pretty dang good at it and intuitive with it. Um, and as some of you, I, may I can not. vouch for this. She is. She is good at it. <laughs> I have Thanks, seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> I also just since we diverged a tiny bit, I just noticed that Reddy is on your t-shirt and that's amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, but yeah, so, you know, rescues and shelters, they, they do their best more often than not. Sometimes their best isn't enough and that sucks. Um, and sometimes they get stuck in different traps, right? Um, and one of those big traps, in my opinion, coming from that side of things is the whole no-kill movement and adopt, don't shop and all that kind of stuff. I think it puts an unnecessary strain on the bottom line of live outcomes. And so therefore, um, shelters do some shady stuff, not all of them, but um, essentially what spurred this whole topic today is one of my friends who has worked at numerous shelters, both municipal as well as private, um, experienced the same thing and some form of basically like the, the downside of the bureaucracy side of it, the bureaucratic side of it. So um, yeah, I think just to kind of start, because I'm like, honestly, there's so many different things on my mind right now. Right. <laughs> so, so maybe like, maybe people haven't heard, a, heard adopt, don't shop. Right. Or okay. no kill shelter. So, like, what does that mean? Right. So no kill doesn't mean zero dogs killed. Or but zero it sounds like killed. it. It says no kill. Right. And it, it's just most majority percentage is live outcome. I don't remember off the top of my head if it's like 92% or 95%. It's, it's, it's up it's there. But it's an exact and then, number. It's a number. Yes, there is a number. Um, and a lot of cities are striving for this. Austin was one of the, the first biggest cities to so employ just, this. Uh-huh. Should they call it minimal kill, maybe? <laughs> right. But no kill sounds better for marketing. Yes. And unfortunately, it is ultimately just a big marketing thing. It's a um, business. It is. And it has turned a really, really cool idea and concept into a business and into a bottom line. So much so that um, at one of the municipal shelters that my friend was working at, 
Um, it got to a point where they would just clear out the kennels. And if you don't know this, city shelters have, because they're on city funding, there's rules in place and all this stuff to where there's a certain date from intake that um, within, let's say, let's say the time frame is two weeks, that dog has to be gone. It's not two weeks. I'm just kind of pulling a number out of my butt, basically. But Every place is going to have their own rules. rules. Right. Um, but let's say it's two weeks from now. So if that dog, regardless of whether or not it's highly adoptable and just not getting a lot of visibility or whatever, or if it's a behavior case, if that dog isn't adopted, it's just gone. It's gone or hopefully a rescue group scoops it up. Um, you know, like there's a lot of breed specific rescues or like Austin Pets Alive pulls from euthanasia lists and that sort of thing. But there are days where my friend would go into work and see all the kennels cleared out and she'd be like, what happened to these dogs? And they'd say, oh, well, they, you know, missed their, they had to be out of here by this date. So they're gone type of thing. Um, And by gone, you mean? Euthanized. Okay. Gone. Yeah. Euthanized. Um, the ones that got scooped up usually, the dogs that get scooped up usually get scooped up pretty quickly. So like all the, there's a lot of small dog rescues, a lot of pure breed dog rescues, or like, you know, golden, golden rescue of Texas takes like golden mixes as well and that kind of thing. But, um, a lot of times like the purebred dogs get scooped up pretty quickly so long as they don't have tons of issues. Um, and so essentially these dogs were all euthanized and, you know, she wasn't supposed to, but she did some digging because a lot of these dogs she cared a lot for. And turned out that in the notes and the files, some of them said that they were deceased on, on entry, right? Because if the dog comes in and there, there's nothing they can do about it, there's nothing they can do about it. Therefore it doesn't affect their outcome. Right. So that's shady tactic number one, to circumvent and to keep their no-kill status. So essentially, they are doing basically criminal things and forging. To keep their numbers low because it's about the numbers because they have to stay under the certain percentage to be considered no-kill and get the cool sticker that says, hey, we're a no-kill shelter, um, which means they lie sometimes um, about if the dog was dead when it arrived or not. Right. Exactly. And then if they don't, they don't have to deal with it and they still get their, maybe they get extra funding. I don't know. Um, but either way, at the very least, their image isn't tarnished, right? So at the very least, their, their marketing is intact. Um, and and it's, it's pretty frustrating too, because the other side of that is, okay, well, let's say that that's not at the shelter, right? Let's say this is Austin Pets Alive or another private facility that doesn't have to get dogs out by a certain date like they have goals and they have hopes and they have dreams for like you know trying to get dogs out as quickly as possible because the idea is like nobody wants those dogs sitting in kennels forever but you know when I was working there one of the longest stay dogs was like 500 days or something which is insane that's more than a year but apparently after I had left um and and like and and this is friends in other cities um, where this was always the case, the the long stay day numbers started going up to hundreds and thousands even. So our dog's there for a thousand days. Like that's three years is a long time to live in a concrete world with minimal interaction. These dogs are likely not staying with a foster. They are staying in the shelter, barking dogs all around, people looking at them, walking by, concrete because concrete's easy to clean when you have that many dogs coming in and out. So it's not a cush life mm-hmm. they're living. They're not, no. they're not just sitting there with yep. their blankie at night, thinking about the family they're going to get. Like They're living kind mm-hmm. of in a boring 
hell yep. of a sort. You know, it's not a life. It's not, yes, the volunteers do the best they can and they make the connections with the dogs when they can and they take them out and they work hard to right. give them at least a glimpse of like what a dog life could be. Right. But it's ultimately, the at the end of the day, they go back to their, their little kennel. Exactly. And, and a lot of times if a dog is there for that long, it's usually because it has very specific re requirements that it needs to go home, right? Right. And maybe it's aggressive with kids, cats, and dogs. That's hard to place. Right. But then there's the argument of like, well, what is that dog safe? Right. And, and um, Austin Pets Alive had very clear lines in the sand of what is considered a safe dog. So what they said was like, if, if there is aggression, is it predictable? Because if it's predictable, you can fix it, you can pre prevent it, you can manage it, you can work through it. But if it just kind of comes out of nowhere, that's not okay, right? And of course, <laughs> dogs act differently in the shelter than they do at home. Take, you see this couch potato behind me? This mm -hmm. couch potato named Rocky was in the shelter for... 200 and something days before I, I scooped him up. And honestly, when I was working there, he wasn't like, you know, my heart dog. I had like my favorites and stuff out of the 300 dogs that I walked every day. And like, you know, he, like I liked him, but he was pretty aloof in the yard. Um, when people would pass his kennels, he'd bark and kind of parkour. But I took him home for a sleepover one day. And because it was cold and like, it was going to be sub freezing temperatures. So we tried to get all the dogs out for temporary fosters and that kind of stuff. And this kid just slept the whole time. So I took him on for another sleepover and another sleepover. And that was just the way it always was. He wasn't this crazy spazzy dog bouncing off walls, but that's what everybody assumed because he's in a stressful environment. So you take him to a yard and he just wants to get all that nervous energy out. He finally, it's like when I, we first became quarantined, I started running and I hate running. I hate going for jogs because I needed to put all that anxiety somewhere. I had right. to get it out. And so, you know, what you get, what you see isn't what you always get. And unfortunately, I have, I have another funny example of that. I, I knew yeah. a guy who got, um, he picked out this healer that was super calm and he was so excited because he found like a calm healer and all the staff was like, yeah, he's calm. He doesn't really like ball. He didn't chase toys, whatever. Um, really <laughs> laid back dog. This guy within a week of owning the dog met a totally different dog and this dog was true to healer fashion and was bouncing off the walls and finally felt relaxed enough to where he could let his energy out. So like it, yep. it's case by case on a dog and you yep. can't, you don't always know. It's not like, Oh, they're always going to be this way when they leave the shelter. So right. Cause right. dogs are their own creatures. They're unique. Yep. And go figure stress affects us all completely differently. Imagine that. Go figure. So not to t talk too much about like the, the intricacies of, you know, that side of dog behavior, although I'm sure it is uh, it's a good topic for another day. Oh my gosh, look at your dog. Sorry. He, has, <laughs> he had like this big, like smiley face that he's been <laughs> rolling in the bed behind you. It's distracting me. It's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that'll take, take down the seriousness of our, of our yeah, topic if, today. <laughs> if this is getting too serious for you, watch it on the video form and watch Rocky roll around in his bed because... Cool. And probably like his butt for a while. So yeah, yeah. That keeps it casual. <laughs> keeps it casual. Um, but yeah, so so you can't really paint a picture. And unfortunately, people do know this stuff, right? So there's plenty of times where like, you know, you'd send a dog home and you'd tell them, We do know, we have these notes. This dog has been in a house before, and we know that this is going to happen. Your dog is going to start guarding things, or your dog is going to be rude to guests. So, you know, we tried our best to make it a good fit and all this stuff, but like 
sometimes you have to make that terrible decision that this dog isn't safe and it's not suitable. And right. even um, if someone followed all of the rules you gave them, there's a chance this dog might still bite them or their friend that comes over. Or if they slip up on following these rules, even for just a second, this dog is going to take advantage of that. And someone's uh, going to get hurt because this dog has hurt many people before. And there yeah. are dogs like that. And it's, it is, it's hard to know that, but it is true. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And one of the biggest pain points is that like there it is a good idea to go to a shelter and check it out, but it is not a good idea to listen to them pressuring you because what they're all going to say is this dog might not be here next week. Even if that dog has been there for 300 effing days, they're still going to tell you that because it is true. They can't hold dogs. It's first come first serve. As soon as they open up that kennel and make room for another kennel, but that is a vicious cycle. It's a vicious machine that just keeps perpetuating the same cycle over and over again. And then let's say something doesn't work out with that dog. It's hard to return them because if there's no kennel space, there's no kennel space. And if they're having behavioral issues, that's tough. But even just getting to that point of like, okay, I don't think this dog is a good fit. I mean, especially if you have kids and stuff like that's a difficult lesson to teach your kids. And it's hard. There's so many times when people like let their kids pick out the dog, for instance, instead of listening to the, the, the because people who it, know the Because dogs. it's cute because they, they, the dogs pick it, the one, the kids pick the dog that they like the way it looks. Right. Most because often. Because we're humans. We like pretty things. We like cute yeah. things and we have types and that's okay. But you shouldn't rush any sort of decision. And I feel like when you go to a breeder, because you're spending money, people tend to take a little bit more care and do a little bit more research. So either way, regardless of which way you go, don't just rush it. Certainly not for puppies. There will always be more puppies if you get a puppy, a shelter puppy. Yeah, I promise. I've heard lots of stories of people tell me like, we, okay, so we really wanted like a small female dog. And then we went to the shelter and we left with two boys that are full grown and 60 pounds each. And I'm like, what? How did that happen? How did... How did you have in mind what would work well for your family? And then someone convinced you that this other mm-hmm. terrible thing for your family was going to work. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's a side of um, rescue people that I kind of get my feathers ruffled about because then they come to me as the trainer and they have this bonded pair that can't be separated and mm-hmm. they're trying to just live their family life. And they wanted, you know, a little dog that they could take camping that was like no big deal. And now they have these two behavior cases and expensive dogs, expensive. They're expensive because like we've talked about before, you know, I put money into my education. So I do have to charge a fair rate to help people with these situations right. that they didn't mean to get into because they just wanted a dog. They just, they, they had a dog when they were a kid mm-hmm. and they just yep. wanted a dog. So they went Yep. because they heard adopt don't shop and they heard it's a no kill shelter and they, yep. you know, want to help. Yep. And I get that. And it's just, I, you know, I don't want to tell people not to do that because yeah. by all means dogs need homes, but, but don't let that side of you that's compassionate fall for marketing. Right. Don't let yourself. It is a business. It's still a business. Even though it's a nonprofit, that doesn't mean that they're not doing something. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's inherently not evil, right? Just because it's nonprofit. But that's not, those aren't the same things. Um, You know, and a lot of times they get funding and it should go towards the dogs or getting more staff or whatever. And then it goes towards marketing. 
And you're like, well, that's just like a business. Go figure. Try to promote the image and blah, blah, blah. Um, So other piece of advice I would give too is like, don't feel like you, I guess, don't feel ashamed if you do want to go look at a breeder, right? Don't feel like if people are going to judge you, they're going to judge you anyways. And you have to do what's right for you and your family. Like the next dog I get is going to be from a breeder. Rocky's from the shelter. My little chihuahua's from the shelter. I didn't know B-Town bit as hard as he did and as intently and as forcefully. And I didn't know he was so aggressive and so sensitive and so special. (laughs) I (laughs) love him to bits. He's an amazing dog. He's got such great qualities. But honestly, if he would have gone to any other home, he would have been euthanized years ago. They would have put him down for how severe his behaviors were. Yes. If a regular, I I, I don't mean it in a condescending way, but if a regular person came to me with Boston and said, I want him to be okay with being touched and, and be okay with people coming in his space, I would, I mean, we would try but I would put euthanasia on the table and say, you have a lot of work to do. And yeah. some people aren't that committed, you know? If yep. it, I mean, not that someone couldn't get to where you're at with him with a lot of commitment, but, you know, a lot of people that want a cute little dog don't mm-hmm. want to do that. And, right. you know, as much as I do wish that dog training stuff was more common knowledge, right. I understand that some people are just going to have dogs because they've always had dogs and they Mm -hmm. don't want to put any more thought into it than that. They want to pick up their food at HEB. They want to go to the vet once a year and they want to just have a dog. Yep. And I know there's plenty of those people out there and that's great. And and maybe they expect to spend like $300 on a few private lessons, right? Like maybe, maybe maybe that's their expectation or something like that. Like maybe I'll do training, but (laughs) whatever. So, um, yeah, like, don't let yourself feel that, that pressure, right? Because it's not, has nothing to do with anybody else. This is your life, your dog, right? It's like when people set you up on blind dates, like it usually is, usually your, most people's first reaction is like, I don't want to do that. That sounds stupid, (laughs) right? But if you were all like, hey, you want to go bowling? Like me and a bunch of friends are going, oh, and there's this like, you know, person I think you might hit it off with, that's way less stressful. And, you know, there's, there's not as much pressure, but that's what it is. When you go to a shelter, it feels like they're like trying to force a marriage that day, ideally. Right. And, and they're never, they're, they're never trying to do that. Right. But they are trying to get dogs out of there. Period. So let's say you do go the breeder route, right? Why, why would Courtney, why would somebody go to a breeder to get a dog? Just humor me. Um, because they have done their homework on what breed characteristics would work best for their life and they want to be sure of the dog they're getting and they've researched Uh what it would take to raise a puppy uh, into the dog they would like. And so they want to get a puppy with specific characteristics to be predictable in its behaviors and influential in the way they want it and to live their life happily with the dog that they want. Right. That's, right. that's why you would go to a breeder, I think. And, and I think that's why most people get puppies in general, regardless of where they get them from, right? That's, like that they, is true. Everybody, I want right? a puppy so we can start fresh, so I can teach it how to be around the cat or the kids or whatever. Kids, yes. Yeah. 
But even getting a puppy from an unknown source or like a backyard breeder, for instance, aka person who just had an oops litter, maybe it was just a one-off thing, like a dog jumped their fence and impregnated their, their female, or maybe they are trying to make money off of it and they are running it as a business. And maybe that's their only intention is to make money like, oh, this breed is highly sought after. I'll make a ton of money off of it. Um, Those people you know, usually don't advertise themselves like that. Right. They're, they're just going to say, hey, I have this puppy, right? right. And, and I am very wary. I tell a lot of my clients, stay away from Craigslist for breeding. Yeah, I was going to say, you will see their ads on Craigslist. Craigslist is the primary place you'll see them. Um, there are exceptions. One of my clients right now has two Australian Shepherd puppies. And I was blown away with what my client told me that the owners were doing for the puppies because it was just like what a reputable breeder would do. They were doing clicker training. They were uh, teaching it already to ring bells. They were doing all kinds of stimulation exercises. Seriously. This is amazing. And this was like a a whoopsie litter too. Like this was like a unintentional, like they weren't really breeders before, but they had dogs and they, they had property. And I'm sure they had, it seemed like they had working dogs is, is what it seems like. Um, and they gave uh, my client like a really long list of like what the dogs know, what their specific schedule is, their feeding. So that way the transition would be as seamless as possible. And they were also setting up my client for success by giving them training suggestions on like what they need to do now. Um, and so I pulled up this website, by the way, um, of this one specific breeder that I, I really, really like that I, I may get a puppy from at some point, just so I can kind of go over, like, if you are looking for a breeder, what to look for. Now, not every breeder is going to have this information on their website. You may have to call, but at least you know what questions to ask. So um, mental development and stimulation, that's super important. Socializing a puppy isn't just introducing to people and dogs, Right. It's also sounds, smells, yeah. textures. It's not just cetera. like having kids handle the litter. It's yes. there. There are actually regimented puppy plans for the weeks before um, they go to a new home, okay. where you put new textures and stuff into their whelping boxes to get them exposed to it. You also manipulate them, may play with their toes, stuff like that. I mean, we yep. talked about that. I think we talked about that on our puppy episode. Some, yeah. If I not, think we, we should. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what a whelping box is, Google it. It's awesome. Um, it's, it's a cool concept. It's basically just like a, a, you know, like an area for the puppies to be, but it also allows the mom to leave and get some space from her puppies. (laughs) Um, but also social development, right? So not just interacting with their own litter mates, but other adult dogs as well. And not just ideally, ideally at this stage, different breeds as well. Usually that may not happen, but as much as possible, that's ideal. Um, physical development, so like swimming and understanding kind of like um, nutrition, all that kind of stuff, making sure all that stuff's concrete. Um, how they feed their dogs is really important too, especially their puppies. Um, a lo- there's a lot of people that say like just scattering food on the floor and letting the puppies kind of go for it because then the puppies learn, well, if I don't eat, I don't get food. But also you're kind of putting them in a position of conflict but they're resolving it in a way because they're they're tiny puppies. They can't really do damage. So they learn conflict resolution quickly. Um, Obviously they should have like, you know, deworming and health inspections and your, the breeder should be super upfront about that. Most, most good ones are, but then also health assessments. Um, A lot of people kind of know that about breeders, but like they need to do, whether it's genetic testing or the line. Uh, On the, on the, 
uh, oh, parents, not on the puppies necessarily. Yes, yeah. right, exactly. Before on the, the parents, breeding exactly. takes place, the planned breeding, yes. right? Yes, exactly. Right. So you know, and and a lot of the stuff you can't do. Um, a lot of the shel- the puppies that I used to get when I worked at the shelter was like somebody found a box of puppies on the side of the road or by a dumpster. So you have no idea. They're all infested with worms and covered in ticks. So like. Which tells you a lot. (laughs) Right. 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 They didn't get the stuff they should. They didn't get the stuff they should. And they're going to have, they they have a high potential to have behavioral issues later in life. Um, And, 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 you know, they can't, we can't tell you for a hundred percent they will because they might not, they might be that one-off dog that just learns how to adapt and it has the owner that just clicks with it and they never have a problem, mm-hmm. but that is the exception, not mm-hmm. the rule. Yep. As the rule, they will have behavioral issues yep. probably if they don't get stimulation and stuff as a puppy and then they will end up in a shelter yep. and they will be stressed out and then they may end up euthanized and that is a sad life for a dog. Um, they don't always end up euthanized, though. Um, something yeah. people might not know, because I didn't know this for a long time, was that there are things worth in, worse than euthanasia for shelter right. dogs. Right. Um, yeah, what's, what's the saying? Um, any life is better than death? Any life is better than death. Where, so as long you? as the dog's heart is still beating and they are still breathing, it's better That's than dying, right. right? So it doesn't matter if that dog has teeth Teeth, guys. They yeah, will tell, rem- tell them what you told me before that we started recording, because this is fucked up. Uh, so I was in a situation with a rescue dog. It's going to shorten that story a lot. I was in a situation with a rescue dog uh, through a rescue organization, and they were making the decisions on the rest of that dog's life because it was looking like that dog was never going to be adoptable. Um, And I found out that one of the options that they may be considering was to send him to what is called a sanctuary. This, just so you know, I don't, I don't know that all sanctuaries do this, but this one sanctuary that they were considering sending him to, uh, on the first day, every dog arrives, it gets all of its teeth removed. Um, and then it gets put in its own concrete run and that is where it lives for the rest of its life. However long that may be. Yeah. Uh, he, they get yeah. fed like some mush, you know, that way they're still getting some food, but it's mush. Yeah. It's, it's not any high end. I mean, I wouldn't expect it to be high end, but like, it's probably not even mm-hmm. in the middle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on guys. Yeah. Um, so it, in my opinion, that's worse than death for a dog, that kind of life. Um, anything that confines a dog to a six by 10 or smaller confinement even if it's longer honestly even if it's bigger than that right like even if they have a long stretch of grass it's still a run it's still it's still just a run um yeah and this is just my opinion and i've it took me 10 years to get here had you asked had we had this conversation 10 years ago i would have felt differently you know i i would have been on board with any life is better than no life because we have to save them all and they're all wonderful creatures and they are all wonderful creatures, but that doesn't mean they're going to live forever. And it, it doesn't mean that, that the humans did them right in this go around because, um, with that situation that I was in with the dog, the dog was only acting on facts that he had learned in life about humans, you know? And so I couldn't sit the dog down and explain to him that that's not true 
Because right. for him, it was. It was true. And it wasn't ever going to change. And he would always go back to that because it's what he knew with every fiber of his being. Right. And so, um, and that's human's fault. That's not his fault. And that's, that's a really shitty part of this too, is that it's, it's yeah. us, the humans. We are screwing up the dogs. And then <laughs> we are saying, oh, this dog is screwed up. Let's take all of his teeth out and put him in a cell. And that's not okay. That's, yeah. I mean, honestly, for yeah. a lot of them, put them out of their misery. Put them out of their misery. And instead of putting the effort into removing their teeth and creating the mush and picking up their shit out of the cell that they stay in, like, maybe put that money into education for mm -hmm. people and um, better funding for the right things in rescue and better, you know, funding for law enforcement to crack down on puppy mills. And, uh -huh. um, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's all different things that higher up on this problem could be fixed yeah. that would help rescues out and shelters out because I do empathize with shelters and they're doing the best they can. They have dogs yeah. showing up every day, hundreds of them. They have to figure out what to do. They're given a certain amount of money. They have to figure out how to disperse it. They have mm -hmm. to do marketing because they have to get their word out there. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So like, I can yep. understand that too. And, and I can see that the problem starts higher up. It starts yeah. with where the dogs come from. Why do we as humans make so many of them? Yes. Yep. And I used to be one of those adopt, don't shop hashtag people, right? Like I used Same. to say that all the time. And mm -hmm. I would post adorable pictures of puppies and, you know, the sad pity who just needs a chance and all this kind of stuff. Because I, I truly, I believed it 100% with every fiber of my being. I judged people that got breeder dogs. I, I did. I was that a-hole. Same, same. <laughs> and now it's, it's kind of funny that I'm, I'm on the other side of it. Um, and I tend to recommend to most of my clients, like especially if they have a family or something and they have little kids. Right. If you're single, if you don't ever plan to have kids or like at least not in the short term or near term, I guess I should say, not necessarily short term, like whatever, you know, but it is making that decision to return a dog feels just as bad as making the decision to euthanize them, honestly. But there's this huge taboo around it and it is not fun trying everything with a seriously challenging dog, whatever that may mean for you, right? Like for me, a seriously challenging dog is like the dog that Courtney was talking about, right? The, the dog who unfortunate, has had an unfortunate series of events happen in its life and it learned that using its teeth was the best way to solve all of its problems because humans suck and they're stupid. They don't know anything, right? That is a challenging dog for me. But a lot of people like get to that point with just having a dog that's just too exuberant, like that healer that you're right. talking about, right? right? And, like they wanted that a guy chill did, dog. That, that, that guy did ultimately rehome his dog. Yeah. Because, because it was, it it was too crazy for him. He wasn't, he wasn't ready for that level of craziness mm -hmm. in his life. He found a really chill dog because... Yep. And got it because that's what he wanted. And then he, he couldn't keep up and the dog um, was destructive. And he, right. um, I mean, I, I wasn't a trainer then. And, yeah. you know, there are things that I could have told him that maybe would have helped that I can't go back and tell him now because right. he do not have a dog anymore. But, but even oh, then, yeah. it was still a lifestyle mismatch. Right. And, and he tried. He tried he did. to find he did. a chill dog. He, he really tried. He picked the dog he wanted. He wanted a healer. He wanted a chill dog. It just happened to just be misleading because of the what stress did to that dog in that mm -hmm. environment. 
So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of good that can come from shelters. I think there's definitely things that they can do better. I hope that most of them are striving to do better. But like what people don't realize, and y- you you know this as well as I do, we can't count how many times clients come to us years later or whatever. Like I have a friend who needs to rehome their dog or I can't keep my dog anymore or whatever. Like, can you put the word out? And it's like, there's like everybody's at capacity. There's nowhere to put it out to. There's no, there's not, there's not a stockpile of people waiting to get a dog that takes effort and takes a lot of their money. There's, I don't know where those people are. If I did, I would, I would share the info with them. But once, yeah, once they take a dog, then they're full. They can't have, anymore because they have to work on that um four of my dogs four of the five of my dogs are from people who couldn't handle that dog anymore and now they're my dogs but i can't keep doing that no you know how many dogs i would have if i (laughs) kept you already have five i have five (laughs) like i have to stop and and then you know that's hard on me to say no and to say i can't help with this and and to to step away because i mean sure it's a beautiful fantasy to imagine that I have just a bunch of property and I just have all the thousands of dogs that need to be rehomed and we live peacefully together. Yeah. That's a beautiful image. Do you know how money how much money it takes to fund something like that? Uh-huh. Yep. Not even a portion of what of get, would get put yep. into it. And so there are not- sanctuaries, right? But they don't those are few and far between and they also even if they can take a thousand dogs. Let's say they could take a thousand dogs you're going to be the thousand and nth dog out right. there on that list waiting to go in. And like, there's one sanctuary, uh, best friends in like, I don't know where it is. Colorado, Utah, Utah. Utah, Utah, yeah. Utah. Yeah. And they, they have a much better setup than um, the tooth removal place that you were right, talking about. Right. Right. I, I hope so. Um, yeah. And, and they tend to, there's a little bit more interaction, that kind of thing. Um, it's good for dogs who are like pretty single handler focused and stuff. And and I saw some dogs go there. I had to say goodbye to a lot of dogs and, and send them there. But there are pitfalls um, to to this whole movement. And I, I won't ever be part of that. I will never use hashtag adopt, don't shop or whatever ever again, because that is a personal choice and we should not be judging people for their choices. Absolutely um, not. Whatever you do, you should do it responsibly. If you're going to adopt, do it responsibly and have what you want in mind and stick to it and know you may end up spending a lot of money and and go into it with an open mind and an open heart. Mm -hmm. But if you want to get a dog from a breeder, just do your research. Do it responsibly. Make sure Mm -hmm. you're not supporting a puppy mill or someone who's doing unethical things and... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there, there are ways to figure that out. Some of them are hard, but just know that a good breeder, the really good ones out there will always take your dog back. Even if it's five years later from when you adopted that puppy, they will always take the dog back, especially in that first interim period of like, Oh my God, no, this puppy's too much. I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something that you can also use as like a red flag indicators. You ask them like, what is your return policy if this doesn't work out? Um, and that sort of thing. That is a good, good one. Ask that question. If you don't ask any other questions, ask that question. Mm-hmm. And if they say, no, once the dog's yours or anything yep. that, that isn't, I'll take it back no matter what. Just 
say, okay, thanks for your time and just yep. peace and out. And just hang up and go to the next one. I don't care if they have sold you on the cutest freaking Susie Q dog that, and it's yep. the dog of your dreams. There are yep. a ton of dogs yep. already out there and there are good breeders out there and you may have to search for them, but wouldn't you rather put in a little effort now to in the long run yeah. have the dog of your dreams? Right. And a happy life with your dog? Yep. I can tell you, I know I've been wanting a puppy for a while of very, I'd say probably about three years. <laughs> I haven't gotten one yet because of, you know, I wanted to make sure like a, it's a good environment, but B, I don't want too many dogs. And I want my current dogs that I, I have, I have responsibility to my current dogs and I have responsibility to my husband, my fiance, I mean, to not screw him over either. <laughs> right. Right. I, I have to say, I honestly, I applaud your patience in getting a puppy. Um, and if, if anyone thinks that I am on a soapbox telling you how you should do it, uh, let me just uh, humble my image a little bit more if I don't do that enough already. I got Phoebe, my border collie puppy, out of a litter, off of an ad, on Craigslist, impulsively, after putting my first dog down. Um she Not, was old, by the way. She was old. She was like uh, um, 11. She had a lot of problems. It was the time. Um, when, I put, when, a, when I was putting her down, I was not planning on getting a puppy. Within the next five days, it overtook me. I said, I want a puppy and I want it now. And I got on Craigslist and I found a litter of a breeder of a border collie on a ranch that had working dogs and I was like do you have any available she said I have one and I said I'm on my way <laughs> yeah so, she's Courtney's not judging you Please I am you. not judging you if you have done anything like that or you do anything like that in the future it happens we're humans we make yes. mistakes but you know what I uh I got to see the real side of why you shouldn't do that um, yep. real quick with Phoebe, I, uh, I, I thought I was getting a, my badass border collie puppy and I, she was going to be a Frisbee dog and an agility dog and all of the sports all and stuff, stuff and things dog. Yeah. Like we were going to build it from the baby and I was, Oh, it's going to be great. Also, she was six weeks old when I got her. So another red flag. Um, why is that a red flag, Courtney? Because puppies should stay with their litters until eight to 10 weeks. Always. Um, if, a, if a breeder is going to give you a dog at six weeks, don't take it. Um, mm -hmm. Anyways, I, I, had, I did a lot of I work think, with Phoebe. I think there are a couple exceptions to that rule. Just Prob FYI. Okay. There are some exceptions, are. like especially like uh, potentially like guardian breeds and that kind of thing, because they need mm -hmm. to go to go through one of those early fear periods, but still six weeks is on the too early side, even for that exception. I've heard like seven to nine weeks for certain specific breeds. Right. Because of fear period. So I found out pretty quickly um, uh, into Phoebe's sports career. Now, keep in mind, I wasn't doing any high-impact stuff. I wasn't doing anything crazy at all. Um, we were only doing small conditioning stuff, uh, stuff like that. Um, I had two separate vets tell me, she's got loose knees. And I didn't really know what that meant. Um, uh -huh. And they were like, nah, I wouldn't worry about it. And didn't really go into detail. And that, you know, that sh shows some shine some light on my choice of veterinary clinic sometimes. Anyway, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> uh, I'm going to write that so, down. So How then to one, choose a vet. So then one day I'm playing fetch with Phoebe, which she's 
probably 10, nine, 10 months old. Normal thing we do, not super high impact, right? Fetch in. And one of the times she comes back, I notice that one of her back legs is straight, which is not, it's not supposed to be straight, right? It normally has a bend where the knee is at, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because they run with that. Uh, And it was straight. (laughs) And I was like, that's kind of weird. And I went over to her and I'm like, hey, what's going on here? And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, why don't you bend your leg? And she's like, I can't. And I was like, come on now, you can bend your leg. And I try to bend her leg and it's not going to bend. So we sit there for 30 minutes while I panic. And I'm like, why is my legs, my dog's leg not bending? Uh, and then, so we call, we go, we go to the vet. And by the time we get there, her leg is fine. She's acting totally normal. It's straight, you know, it's, it's bending again. And she's happy to see the vet. They take x-rays and they tell me that it's very, very likely that she has a cruciate tear at nine months old and that she needs to be on crate rest and will not be a sports dog. Cool. I, there cool. Go all your that just shit on my whole puppy parade. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that, that <clears throat> I know that can happen still, even if you yeah. do all your research, but right. for me, that was just another like, wow, that's what you get for getting a puppy off Craigslist impulsively. Like mm-hmm. you knew better and you did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and Phoebe has been on and off crate rest for most of her life. And I have to be very careful about her physical activity. And um, we're going to get x-rays again soon to look at her hips because the vet does suspect she has hip dysplasia already. Ugh, she's so um, young. And she is going to be three in August. Yep. Uh, I've lost contact with her breeder, so I can't follow up about any of these issues. So it's just it's just a whole golden story. So yeah, anyone that thought earlier I was uh, judging you or talking down to you and being like, don't do these things. I have a reason. I'm, I am <laughs> genuinely trying to help you not go down the shitty road I went down. Yep. I mean, I love my dog and she is, I mean, Phoebe's great, right? I talk about yeah. her a lot. Right, right. But that's that's how we got there. You know, yeah. and that's, that's, that sucks. Yeah. yeah, it does suck. Well, I think that's a good note to wrap up on. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you. Um, don't forget, you can send us questions or if you just want to tell us how cool we are, how pretty we are, <laughs> that kind of thing, you can email us <laughs> at superseriousdogpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also check out our Patreon. We've got extra content up there. You also get early release for content. So you can go to patreon.com slash um, super serious dog podcast and you know help support us show us that you like what we have to offer um, and if you want to know more about puppies we have a great episode interviewing Adrian Salome Liddell um, nice. on there, uh, talking about puppy stuff and she's got a really cool puppy program um, in place that you can also check out too so check it um, out that's it check it out see you guys next time cue the music it's probably already been cued probably <laughs>